Thank you for listening to the PCA podcast hosted by Praise Chapel Aziza. Be sure to also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and SoundCloud so you get notified when we have new episodes available to download or stream. You can also check us out on PCAzusa.com to find out more about us and see what's going on this month, as well as check us out on social media at PCAzusa. With that being said, get ready because here comes the word. Because what I'm going to do today, or what the Lord was really dealing on my heart, is I'm going to teach you how to spiritually fight. Amen? I'm going to teach you how to spiritually fight. Because when, you know, in the world, some of us were fighters. I don't want to get too, much, too into that. But some of us were fighters when we came to the world. But I'm going to teach you how to spiritually fight. Because when we're fasting and praying, all hell is probably going to break and loose against your life right now. Whether it be sickness, finances, insecurities, doubts. There's a lot of things that I know that are going through your mind right now. So we're just going to open up in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would just use me as a mouthpiece, Lord. I am nothing special, Father God. I pray, Father, that I would everything would come out clearly today, Father God, and that your people, Father God, that you've brought here, Father God, would be able to internalize this, Father God, and it equip us, Father God, so we could fight spiritually, Father God, for the things of the Lord and to glorify your name, Father God, to get people's souls saved. And for ministries to flourish, Father God, and a love for us to love on each other, Father God, would just be, we would know we'd be the salt of the earth, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you guys don't know, I know you guys heard it before, but on Tuesdays we go to a class in Huntington Park. It's called Deborah's Warriors, and it's a very powerful ministry. And what it's been doing, we've been going for the last two years. And what that class does is it literally teaches me how to spiritually fight. That's what the class is. It teaches you how to fight, how to pray and intercede for ways that you have never thought you can do, you've done before. And the book that we're reading is 101 Tactics for Spiritual Warfare by Jennifer LeClaire. So I'm going to be sharing out of this book today what we're going to be doing and what we're going to be talking about. And I'm going, there's three tactics I want to share that were very vital and important, I believe, to help us. And the first one is break the stranglehold of worry. This is what a lot of us do in our life, is we worry. Actually, let me set my timer, otherwise I'm going to be here. I'll be here a little bit later. Amen? So they'll get out five minutes to that right now. Amen? But break the stranglehold of worry. A lot of us are worry warts. I know I have family members that are just, they worry, they worry, they worry. And what does worry do? It creates pressures, it creates anxieties, it creates things in your life that you nothing that you have control over, essentially. But how many know that could be a stranglehold in your life? If you want to turn with me to the uh, first Timothy six, eleven through twelve, and it reads So you said I'm getting fancy, okay? This is Timothy right here. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things, pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And here's the key scripture that I want to bring out. Fight the good fight for the true faith, hold tightly to eternal life, to which God has called you, to which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Amen. So how many know, what is he telling you to do right there? It's already in the beginning of that scripture, Paul is telling Timothy to what? To fight. To fight. Not saying fight on an earthly way, 
not to saying fight on uh, a way physically, but to fight. You're waging war against something that's beyond yourself. You're fighting for the good fight, for the true faith. And when you're doing that, you're doing something that you, it is not necessary that you can build physical strength for, but you have to build spiritual strength for. As I was linking to this, the author talks about many times how many of us come from fighting. And a lot of us, more of us can relate to fighting because we used to fight before we got saved. Some of us are probably maybe still almost trying to fight, you know. But I'm going to let you in on a secret. For me, I have never been in a fist fight. That may surprise some of you guys, thinking how big you are and how what I look like, but I have never actually been in a fist fight. I've always had friends that were crazy, and they always did crazy things around me. But I'm saying this as an example, not to boast about my past, but the other day, I was at work, working on my work truck, and I was working on a box car right there, and I see this guy coming at me. And I was like, what the heck? This guy seems kind of like he's got something going on. Like he's on some stuff or something. So he's coming at He's come walking towards our direction. And then I see five guys behind him with sticks and bats running after this guy. And then they're yelling, hey, stop that guy. Stop that guy. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? What happened, little did I know, is that guy walked past me. I remember my partner was doing something on the crane. And he looked at me. And like he kind of like took back. And I looked at him like, I cocked back like if I was getting ready to fight, you know. Even though I'd never been in a fight, I had my work knife on me. I had my fist on like this. It was the first, because he caught me off guard. I was ready to attack, you know, not knowing what I'm going to do, and get him in a chokehold. Well, but I was ready to fight in case something were to happen. I'm not saying I wasn't initiating it, but I find out as this guy broke all the windows on their cars. I don't know what the reason for, where they were saying, yeah, he broke all the windows on our cars and this, this, and that. But I'm saying that because I was ready to do something in case something were to happen. And you take that to the spiritual sense. What are you going to do in your life when all hell is breaking against you? When you just find out that you received bad news, whether it be cancer or whether it be you lost your job or whether it be whatever the situation may be, are you just going to quiver Are you going to just sit there and shake? Are you going to be ready? And you're going to position yourself in a stance to say, okay, now I'm going to fight. I'm going to spiritually get on my knees and I'm going to fight because I know this is the only thing that I can do. I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. I know this cancer or this thing for this about my finances getting attacked, but I know that I know that I can go to the word of God. Amen. And we know that the devil fights dirty and cheap. He's the father of lies. We know this. If you want to turn with me to the book of 1 Peter 5.8, it reads, But your adversary, the devil, roars around like a roaring lion, intent on devouring your faith. If the devil knows that he can't get to you, what is he going to do? He's going to attack your faith with worry. Worry is going to come in saying, you don't really believe that. That's something that you don't do. You know what? You're going to be worrying about your finances. What kind of person worries about their finances? What kind of person worries about their sickness? You serve the living God. The enemy will come and just put these things in your mind. And he'll just fill it up, fill it up with worry and doubt. And worry brings a lot of things in your life. And it creates a stranglehold. If we know what a stranglehold is, this is one thing I did do a lot as a kid. I wrestled a lot. 
And a stranglehold is a force or an influence that chokes or suppresses freedom of movement or expression. Have you many times as you guys are fasting right now that you said, I know the Lord told me to pray, but you're in your car, you're at your home, and sometimes you probably can't even mutter words that come out. You're probably, you sit in there and that's the enemy. He's trying to, he has a stranglehold on your life. He's trying to, he's trying to choke you out for you cannot speak anything. I know uh, many of us, there's a, I've had a dream where when I first, when I lived in my house, I remember having a, a dream where I was, I, it felt real. It, probably, it felt so real. It's where I was in my bed and I was laying down and the room just got dark. Like so dark. And then I just felt like a pressure just pushing me down on my bed. Like I was like getting pushed into my bed. It was, I believe it was a, a, I know it was a demonic attack. And I felt like I was getting pushed on my bed and I couldn't speak nothing. And I remember the only thing that I could speak when I finally was able to mutter the words was Jesus. And I just remember saying, oh, if I could only say Jesus' name that this is going to have to flee. Whatever this is, is going to have to flee because Jesus is in control of my life and the, the, only the enemy can just try to put worry and fear into my life. And I just remember trying to say Jesus, and I remember going, like, I'm sure you guys can relate to that a little bit. I remember just saying, like, Jesus. And then when I finally said Jesus, it was like it just left. Amen. Amen. And it's not, so I'm not making this up, but I just know that there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power when we don't have to, when we, when we can speak to those strangleholds of worry in our life. Because the enemy is going to throw worry in every aspect of your life, period. Because that's all he can do is try to mess with your mind. As even he said, he tries to attack your faith. He didn't say he's going to devour anything else. He's not going to devour your family. Yes, we, we know that he can. But he says specifically, your faith. Because if he can take away your faith, he takes away everything that attaches to that. About Jesus Christ, the third day, about the blood, that he even existed. If he can take away that, he's paralyzed you. And then you start thinking, oh, maybe this guy was right. Maybe this brother was right. They talked about that. If he can do it, if the devil can do that, worry prevents choking the word of God from your mouth so we can't use the sword of the spirit. We know the armor of God. We know we have the Bible. We know that's a sword of the Spirit. If he can choke that out of you and say, you know what? You can't use the sword of the Spirit because you are worrying too much. You're not going to be reading the Word of God. You're going to be just worrying about your issue. And if he can choke that out of you, he already annihilated one of your weapons. He took it away from you. It's, he took away your biggest weapon because he knows that's the most powerful one. Amen. He can choke us of our understanding and a revelation of who we are in Christ. That's an important one. I remember when I first started getting a little bit more mature in the Lord, I would see brothers and sisters in the church. And I would always think about my gifts and about what God put in me. But as I grew to know the Lord on a deeper, intimate level, I would begin to see the gifts in the church. And I believe the Lord will reveal those things. I believe that's just a heart of a pastor. It's a heart of a minister, a heart of a leader. You can see the gifts that every person in here has. I could look around the room, and I'm not saying this just to say it, but I could go around the room, and I can say I can see some of your strong points that some of you have in your life of, 
a leader, whether it be hospitality or whether it be ushering or whether it be just uh, whatever the scenario may be. But I know that there's great qualities in men and women. And if the Lord can take away, I mean, if the devil can take away the way that you look at yourself, he paralyzed you right then and there. Just like Pastor Mark uh, Modora said, Sonny, what did he say? Look at yourself when he got the mirror. And what did he say? What do you see yourself when you look in this mirror? If you look at yourself and you see defeat, anxiety, worry, depression, you're not going to be able to see who you are in the Lord. And that's the most important part because we need to be men and women of God. Amen? If you want to turn with me to the uh, book of Matthew 6, 25-34. In Matthew 6... 25 to 34, it reads, this is what the, this is, and now we're going to go to what does the Jesus say about worry? Okay, now we know what the devil does and what he tries to do. He tries to take away your faith. But what does Jesus say about worry? And this is an important scripture. We've heard this before. That, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And that is an important scripture because we, how many of you have heard that scripture? Raise your hand if you've heard that scripture before. Amen? We've all heard that scripture before. And as I was reading that scripture, it reminded me of who I am in Christ again. It reminded me of the power and the might of what I know I'm not supposed to worry. But how many know is that we make things cliche? That's just the truth. I was looking it up because I was like, man, I don't want to say that because I don't want to say that in church. But I looked up what cliche means. And, it's, and what cliche means, it's a phrase or a term that's used, but it got drowned out because so many people use it that it doesn't hold its true meaning. So we read Matthew 6, 25-34, and we know not to worry. We know not to give these things. If the Lord takes care of the birds of the air, then how much is he going to take care of us? We read these things, and we, in our minds, make them cliche. Say, we know it. We, how many, probably, some of you guys probably even posted on social media, God takes care of me, you know. Or God, you know, we sent a text message to somebody, we know God takes care of me, but it's not internalized in our heart. Because we overused it instead of just saying, okay, God, this is your word. This is your word. This is your promises. I'm going to hold this dear to my heart. And we make things, we water down the gospel instead of really presenting it to how it is. We must be vigilant in this fight of the stranglehold of worry. You may have fallen into a trap a hundred times, but it's up to you to allow the Almighty God to pick you up. If you want to turn with me to Philippians 4 6 through 7. And Philippians reads, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Amen. So as you are break, maybe you have worry in your life. Or maybe you struggle with this. 
Turn to Philippians 4, 6-7. We've heard that scripture many times before. Don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Are we praying to God in this time? Are we praying to God in this fast? Amen? And spiritual tactic 42, it is break deception off your mind. It's so funny because those two go together. As we see, tactic 41 is about worry. And then tactic 42 is about a deception over our mind. And this is a hard one. Because the Bible talks about how we are deceitful people. And I'm just going to read. Uh, she did a great job of how she did. I'm just going to read it from, straight from this book, this paragraph. Warnings of deception are peppered throughout the Bible. In fact, almost every book in the New Testament has some warning about deception or deceivers. Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. Matthew 24, 4. And beware lest you be deceived. Luke 28, 18. Paul warned, let no one deceive himself, 1 Corinthians 3.18, and do not be deceived. I could go on with these warnings from Scripture. The devil was a deceiver, Revelation 12.9. He is a liar and the father of lies. Amen. We know that deceit is running rampant in the Bible. We see it, and it's telling everybody to warn us about deceit. Because deceit is pretty much lying when the devil is lying to you. So what does the Bible say about deceit? Jeremiah 79. This is talking about us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. If you look at that, you could say, I remember when I first heard that scripture, I would look at it and say, man, my heart is, I'm a wicked person. It says, you know, you know uh, it's just like when you meet somebody that you haven't seen in church in a while, and you're just talking to them just to talk to them. You're not trying to... Um, you're not trying to condemn them. You're not trying to. You're just saying, hey, brother, how are you doing? And that person is struggling, struggling with sin, and you know they are because it's written on your face, and the Spirit of God is showing you so you can pray with that person, not to condemn that person. And, and how many of you have heard this for you? How are you doing, brother or sister? Oh, good. Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, God knows my heart. <laughs> you know? How, how many of you have heard that before? I know, I know we've heard I probably even said that probably 100 times or so. God knows my heart. And then you'll have the spiritual person that's kind of like knows the word of God. said, yes, he does know your heart. He says it's deceitful, wicked. I've seen that happen a bunch of times too. You know? And, but that's what God is showing about the heart. It's deceitful. And we all struggle with deceit. And this is the thing that God was showing me. Think about that for a moment. If that's true, and it is, then none of us are above deceit in here. Not anybody not your favorite evangelist, not your favorite podcaster, not your favorite pastor, not your favorite leader, not anybody. Nobody is above deceit. And I appreciate that because it means we're all on a level playing ground. Amen? And we could help each other out if we are being deceitful or we are being deceived by the enemy. Amen? But how do you break deception and deceit? How do you do that? You break it with the truth. You break it with the word of God. John 16, 13, it said, and it reads this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Amen? The, this is a true story. Yesterday, I was washing my, uh, our, my wife's car Monday, and I was thinking of bitterness in my heart because I had 
an old friend uh, texted me something, and I was thinking in my mind, like, man, I'm, what, what's going on? And I, I seen this message, and I was like, man, do I have bitterness in my heart? You know? And I started contemplating this, you know? I was, I was thinking about it, and I was washing the car and scrubbing a little harder, you know, because I was, like, frustrated about myself. And I kid you not, my neighbor calls me over. He knows I'm a Christian. He's a Christian. He says, hey, can you help me load something in my truck? So yeah, of course, you know. So I help him load something in his truck. And then he says, hey, I want to give you something. And what do you think he gives me? A book on bitterness. <laughs> I kid you not. He literally, a book on bitterness. And not only is it a book on bitterness, little did I know, is my neighbor is an author too. He wrote the book. You know, and I was tripping out because I told my wife, I said, I was just thinking about this. And here I am thinking, man, I don't really battle bitterness. And God is still, and God was working on my heart. And then my neighbor, I'm helping him load up his toolbox. And he says, I want to give you something. I, can, you, can you read it and let me know what it means? I mean, uh, let, let me give me a review on goodreads.com. I was like, yeah, okay. I look at the book and big old red writing on the top, bitterness. <laughs> and I was like, man, I guess, okay, Lord, I guess you, I guess I have some bitterness in my life that I need to look at. And the good thing is, you can say, oh, well, you, you can't be speaking up there when you have bitterness. The good thing, though, is the Lord revealed it to me, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm doing something about it. It's not going to be just to, I, I, I'm not doing that just to be deceived. I, I want to be it to be undeceived because I want to speak truth into the situation. There's obviously something in my life that I'm not letting go of, that I'm holding bitterness towards. And I'll be the first to say that. There's something in my life that obviously the Lord was gentle enough to say, you're being deceived in this area. I'm going to help you, son, because that's God. And that's the truth. God was speaking truth into my life. A brother or a sister was bringing some life. I could have said, I don't need that book, brother. I don't battle bitterness. You know, I could have, I could have went a bunch of different ways. You know, I know some of us, we do that when we tend to be, get scolded. Amen? When we're not walking in the truth... We're laying ourselves open to the doors in our life to get attacked by the enemy. And this is an important part because if you are being deceived by the enemy, you can bring more attacks on your life that don't need to be there because you're not walking in the truth of God. You can say you could be being deceived in this area or whether it be bitterness, but how many know what does bitterness come with? Anger, revenge, Hate, jealousy, it comes with a bunch of things. And now I'm just leaving myself wide open for the enemy just to come and attack me even more because I was being deceived with bitterness. Amen? Galatians 5.9 teaches this. If you want to turn your Bibles with me there. Galatians 5.9 reads, This false, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. And what it's talking about right there, it's a little leaven spoils the whole leaven. How many of you know if you have one bad apple and a batch of apples, it makes the other ones bad, right? It poisons it. And that's what it's talking about right there. If we have a little bit of sin in our life, the good that's in us will get choked out by other bad stuff because we let it grow. 
We let it grow, and we're being deceived, saying, you know what, I don't need to deal with that right now. I don't need to deal with that issue because I got too much on my plate. You are wrong. You're being deceived. You need to cut that thing off of the root because it's going to hinder everything good that's in your life. Amen? I remember when I was a, a young Christian, I would, I would always pray this prayer. When I would do is I would ask God to search my heart because I was so wanted to be uh, pure and right before the Lord that I would always ask God, please search my heart because I didn't know how to pray the best. I knew that I wasn't a good person. I just came from doing a lot of vulgar, foul things of ways of thinking. And I would ask the Lord, Lord, can you please search my heart? Please search my heart for something that is not right within there and remove it. Please remove it because I don't know how to do that. And that would be like literally my prayer. And I'm asking you today to do a spiritual inventory of your life. If you could look into your heart, if I can get a, a spiritual flashlight and I could look in there, you know, like the, like the doctors do, and I could see, okay, is there a little bit of bitterness in that corner? It's hiding in that corner. I've got to clean that out. A little bit of jealousy in this corner. A little bit of lust in that corner. If you could clean out your heart, what would you find in there? And, what would, and are you being deceived not to even do that? You don't have to be this super scholar to, to see what, of what names they are of what you're dealing with, but you can ask God to search your heart. I'm asking you, I'm, I'm pleading with you. It's a tactic. I'm teaching you how to fight here, teaching you how to fight spiritually. Ask the Lord to search your heart. Just even as me. Now I, I have to, there's obviously a little, there's some bitterness in my heart. I have to look and see, okay, God, where did this bitterness come from? Because I don't want it to rot anything else that is good in my life. I'm going to ask God, okay, now you do that. That was a prayer that I learned as a young believer because my pastor said, you just never know what you can do. And it helps you to keep you humble. Because when you, what happens when you don't stay humble, you think, oh, I got this Christian life. I got this all in lockdown. I, all I got to do is I could come to church on Wednesdays, come to church on Sundays, like ask for forgiveness, and I'll be okay. And sometimes that's what we do. But that could be deceitfulness if we're hiding sin in our life. Amen? And tactic number 43. And this is a huge one, I believe. This is one that sometimes we're not honest with ourselves with. Honest with ourselves with. And this is call your intercessors. And what that means is I remember when I was a young Christian... Well, you know, there was always, I hate to say it, I'm not, not in a bad way, but there's always the intercessors, there's always women. Because I, I don't know what it is, but women, you guys know how to pray on a deep, intimate, personal level. You guys can get down when it comes to praying. So always the intercessory teams, even Deborah's Warriors, what is it called? Deborah's Warriors. It's a women's, you know, and I felt wrong going there at first, but there's some brothers that go there. So I was like, well, you know, teach me how to pray. But I can honestly say that I've learned how to pray, been saved for, since I was 21, going to be 35 this year, so going on 15 years, I've learned how to pray more disciplinedly by women and this intercessory team. I'm not saying to put down any brothers. I've been taught great things by men, but intercessors is a people that can, you going to go to when you are going through something. When, it, when the stuff hits the fan and you need prayer... You need to call your intercessors. Amen? It says, we must personally gear up with the arm of God first, though. 
We have brothers and sisters that we can go to to pray for us, but how many know we need to get our armor on for ourselves first? The book of uh, Ephesians 6, 11 through 18, it reads this. We've heard this before. In Ephesians 6, and we'll start off in verse 10. The whole arm of God. A final word, be strong the Lord and his mighty power. Put on of all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategy of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirit in the heavenly places. Amen. And the reason why I say that is we first need to be geared up with the arm of God personally. We can call our intercessors, and that is important. But what happens? So just like that guy was going to come fight me, and let's just, let me go back in the physical sense. That guy was going to come fight me, and I wasn't geared up for nothing, and I didn't know how to fight. Say he had a knife on him, he had this. What would I have done in the physical sense? I would have just got attacked. I would have just got beat up, stabbed, broken rib, whatever, black eye, whatever it may be. But if I was prepared, I'm just saying physically, I'm not saying to fight. If I would have prepared, if I knew some MMA or some Muay Thai or some Jiu-Jitsu or something, I could have defended myself, blocked him, you know, uh, reprimanded him until the cops came. I would have been geared up because I was physically capable, prepared of stopping somebody. So if we're not prepared spiritually, personally, what's going to happen in our life? We're going to get attacked. We are, you will get attacked. I, I know a story. This is a true story. I remember one time I was in youth group. I was probably as young as uh, Chino's age, and I was in the youth, and youth was, was going thriving. And there was a, uh, this is the bottom line. There was a girl that came. She had a, a very troubled past with sexuality, and a lot of bad things happened in her life. She was very oppressed. And the church and the youth pastors were all there and were worshiping, having a good time. It was a youth Friday night service. And this little girl, I mean this teenager, she started manifesting with an actual demon. She was, had a demonic manifestation. I wasn't prepared. And I remember her going to the ground and it was, she was possessed. And I remember... Uh, I remember just kind of like freaking out, or I'm sorry, I remember panicking and was thinking like, Lord, what do I do? I had no spiritual armor. I just knew, like John 3, 16, maybe, and I probably would butcher that scripture. You know, I probably, God, you protect me. I don't, I wouldn't have no scripture. And I remember just panicking because I knew that this was something that I was not ready for. I was not ready for it at all. And then a same scenario on a different night, it was a, another girl, and she was possessed. And the same thing, I wasn't ready for this one. You think, man, what were you guys doing up there? A lot of demons over there. But we were in youth group, and a girl, was, we were praying over her. She was um, manifesting demonically. And I remember it got quiet. And I remember some of us were immature. We were trying to put Bibles on her, like thinking like it was going to burn her or something, you know. We watched The Exorcist too much. And this girl, she was a big girl. I remember she was laying on the ground. And I kid you not, she did a full sit-up. Like, without no arms, no nothing, she did a sit-up, and she started going around the room, like, looking, and she says, I know you, you, and you. And she was talking about people that weren't ready. She was talking about people that weren't spiritually ready, people that still had demons in their life, people that still had strongholds in their life. 
people that still didn't have any, that people that weren't, they didn't know what the armor of God was because they were just going to church to go to church. And I remember that, I remember just being so pale because I remember she like pointed in between me and another person. So I was like, she's probably talking about you, man. Like not, not me, you know, but I tried to be like, you know, like she wasn't talking to me. I'm ready. I was a youth leader. I was a youth leader, but I was a horrible person. Cool figure. Amen. And the reason why I say that is because we need to prepare ourselves before we call other people, because what happens is we'll tend to lean on other people before we equip ourselves. Paul exhausted all these efforts and he called the spiritual warfare for prayer. He knew he had the armor of God because we read that. But if you read, continue on past the armor of God, after he equipped himself in the armor of God, what does he do? He asked for his prayer wars to come in. In Ephesians 6, 19 to 20, it reads, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in change now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so I pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Amen. What is he doing? He, he, after, this is after he just put, told us to put on the armor of God. After he put on the armor of God, what does he do now? He's asking for prayer. He's asking for his intercessors to pray. He's writing this letter saying, pray for me. I'm in chains now. Sometimes we think, you know, when we're going through things, that we can just do it alone. And we can't do it alone. We need, obviously, to put on the armor of God. But then also we need brothers and sisters that we can link to. You need two, at least, or three people that you can talk to to pray to. Pray with. If you don't have two or three, I felt the Lord as I was writing this. If you don't have two or three, maybe this week you could focus just on one. You could focus on one. Say, hey, sister or brother, I really need prayer for this. And don't go to another a brother. I mean, if sister, don't go to a brother if you need prayer. That's, it gets real tricky there, you know. Your brothers stay with the brothers, sisters stay with the sisters. You can say, I, I growing up in the youth, I would always hear, oh, I get along better with the boys. Or I get along better with the girls. That may be true in some ways, but a guy shouldn't be discipling a girl. Amen? And girls shouldn't be discipling guys. You know, we stick with things that help us because if you want to be deceived, that's already a trap right there in the, that's already a trap right there in the works. And as I, I'm saying that is because we need to have someone that we can have a prayer shield with. Someone to protect us. Hey, I'm going through this. The late um, C. Peter Wagner calls it a prayer shield. So if you're going through things, I know like yesterday my wife had a headache. I came straight from work. I was tired. I knew I had to study. And well, the first thing, I, I was getting off the freeway and I said, I'm going to call Deborah's Warriors. I'm going to call Sister Debbie and Sister Elaine or... Not Elaine, but I was called. I know Sister Debbie leads it. I'm asking to pray for my wife because she has a really bad headache and an ear infection is going on. I knew I could call them and they were going to pray. They were about to go to the class. They knew that I could say, hey, you know what? Pray for us. Pray for my wife because this is something that we need help with right now. I don't know what to expect. You know, she's not feeling good. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm tired physically from the fast. Just got tired from work. I was weak. And I could call on sisters, and I could call on brothers that were there to pray for my wife. Amen? Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it reads. If you want to turn your Bibles there. 
as we as you develop a prayer shield, as you put on the armor of God, you put that on yourself. Then you develop a prayer shield. This shouldn't take time from your time with God. And the reason why I say these things, it's almost like a precaution. Because what happens sometimes, we put on the armor of God, and then we go to brothers and sisters to help us, but then we don't go to God. We leave God out the picture. We're not going to our word of God. We'll just say, you know what, I told so-and-so, and they were supposed to pray for me. But what about you personally? Did you take it to the Almighty Father? Because what's going to happen when you are that person that someone calls and saying, hey, I need prayer? You're just going to rely on old scriptures, or are you just going to rely on old things that you just become normal, the normal scripture you always go to? Are you going to be able to say, you know what, God, I want to intercede for this person. This person is going through this in their family. They're having a breakthrough. Their child is in prison. They're their family is getting attacked with cancer. This is happening. What, am I, what do you want me to do, Lord? We need to go to the Father. We need him to be the source. Amen? Ephesians 12, 1 through 2, it reads, God, and the, I like reading the caption because it helps me to remember what it is. God's discipline proves his love. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily so trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And this is a key part. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. And I... And that was the last scripture I wanted to share because it helps me to see where my eyes should be. We know that we should have all we need to break worry. We know we need to break deceit. We know we need to have a prayer shield. But where are our eyes focused on? As I was even doing, I I was looking at the app of the 21-day fast, and it was telling you there was a scripture in there, or there was a, the author was saying, whoever wrote it was saying, when you are fasting and you're getting hungry or you're getting trapped, you know, to fall back or to whatever your scenario may be, to keep your eyes on what you're fasting for. And when you are praying, when you're in spiritual warfare, remember, what are you praying for? That should help you and encourage you to go past any feeling of hunger, any period of sleepiness, any period of this, and sometimes it won't. I'm just be the first to tell you. I've, I've been very tired lately, you know, but I know that it's the Lord and through the prayers of our church, and that was a, a praise report I was going to share, and even Saturday I just got touched with the night of worship with Brother Raymond. He said something that was so simple, but to me it meant so much. It just refilled me, and because, of, you know why? Because I had a relationship with God, and then God was just saying, he was just, assuring and he was just putting something in my life thing this is what i brought you here for and even just for the simple word because you're keeping your eyes on me amen amen so every head uh, closed i mean every head bowed every eye closed amen